without further ado, I'm going to welcome our guest speaker here today. And it's almost like we planned to have Pastor Kimberly Moran on International Women's Day, but we didn't. God planned it. He knew. But we are so, so glad she's here. She was here for our heart conference all weekend long, and she's been ministering to the women and pouring into us. And she is powerful and dynamic and anointed. And so I want you to open your hearts as she comes and receive the word that she has to bring us today. We're so excited to have you, Pastor Kim. It's going to be great. Thanks. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, don't you love her? Seriously, she did such a, like, I know it was a team effort this weekend, um, and there were many, many people involved, but you are fantastic, and both you and Pastor Jason, honestly, like, I, I am, the more I get to know them, the more blown away I am just by their hearts for you and to serve and everything, so you are blessed, you know that? Blessed. Right back at you. Blessed. We love you too. Blessed. Oh, well, it's good to be with you. I spent the whole uh, weekend with the women this weekend, and they showed up. They showed up. Honestly, like there were times, Rhonda, like in worship where I was like, is Rhonda leading or is the congregation leading? I'm not sure what's happening because they were so loud. How many of you are here this morning? Yeah, that went to the conference. We had a blast. Guys, you just missed out. I don't know how else to say it. We had so, so much fun. Listen, this morning we uh, are joined here together in this building, but we also have uh, Canada and Cornwall joining with us too. So hi, guys out there. Nice to see you this morning. Um, all together, the, the church in the Ottawa area, we're uniting together this morning beyond this house, beyond this place, not just in the Ottawa area, but far beyond the the city lines of this place and uh, beyond into Canada. And so it's just so cool to know that all across our nation, people are joining together and worshiping this morning. Aren't you grateful for that? So fun. We're going to get right into the word this morning. Are you ready? Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 to 9 says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Listen, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing this, and he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi from house arrest in Rome. Now, he's had a few obstacles that he's faced in his life, and and he's like probably in not the greatest situation at this point. He's away from his family and friends. He probably doesn't have access to the best food. Maybe he's just feeling like a little bit down and feeling a little bit defeated, But he writes to them and he says to them, always be full of joy in the Lord. And then he says it again, rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for myself when things are not going well in my life, the last thing I want to do is celebrate, right? 
right? You get fired from work. Hallelujah. Well, maybe for some of you, that's a hallelujah, amen. You know, things are going difficult. Your bank account's drained. Hallelujah, amen. You know, you get arrested. You find yourself in prison. (laughs) Thank God. You know, for some of you, you just feel like it's a break from regular life maybe. I don't know. But honestly, we go, we go through different seasons of life, right? There are good seasons and fruitful seasons and, and seasons where things are good. And then there are other seasons that are maybe a little bit more challenging, where we endure a little bit more hardship and a little bit more suffering. But Paul says to them, no, listen, in every season, he says always, not just when things are going well, not just when, you know, you feel like you've won the lottery, not just when you've fallen in love for the first time, but always, in every season, rejoice. See, in order to walk in victory in our lives, we really need to apply the principles from this scripture. And able to fully like walk in victory and walk in freedom in our lives, we need to take these words that Paul says and figure out how to make them work in our context today in 2020. Because I believe that God wants victory for your life this morning. I believe he wants you to experience victory. And I think that that doesn't always just come from a change in our circumstances. Sometimes it comes from a change in our attitude. The first thing he outlines here is he says, to walk in victory, we need to first unleash unexpected praise. See, he writes it, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Maybe your translation says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I read this and it's almost like, it's almost like Paul is anticipating what the response is going to be from the church in Philippi, where he's like, okay guys, rejoice in the Lord always, always find joy and be joyful in the Lord. And it's almost like he knows them. He knows he gets ahead of it and he can like picture them saying, yeah, but Paul, don't you know things are really hard for us right now? Yeah, but Paul, we love you so much and you're in prison. Like, we're not happy about that. Yeah, but Paul, don't you know that because we're Christians, some of the other people and some of the Roman people in our city are are making us, like, you know, feel bad and they're not giving us work and we're not able to afford food for our families. Like, don't you know that things are really difficult for us right now? Don't you know that there's a lot of persecution happening for the church right now? And it's like Paul has anticipated all that and he's like, I'll say it again, rejoice. Because I don't know about you, but I find that in my own life where it's like, okay, I read it. I'm like, yes, all right, find joy. Like, be joyful in the Lord. And then it's like sometimes I just need to hear it again. No, 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 Kim. Don't listen to your excuses. Like, don't make excuses for why you can't be this. I'll say it again. Rejoice in every season of your life. Rejoice. See, it's easy to rejoice in good seasons, but there are seasons of my life anyway that I haven't always felt super pumped about. Right? Where I find myself rather than coming and finding that joy, like the word rejoice. Like anytime you see re at the beginning, it means it's like happening again. To like return to joy, to constantly come back to joy, to come and find joy again. Like anytime we come in, like that can be hard to find. And there are some seasons of my life where I find it more difficult to come and like dig up that joy and find that joy again. There are some seasons of my life where I would rather like roll, burrito roll myself in a blanket, grab a tub of ice cream, and sit and watch Netflix until it asks me if I'm still there. (laughs) Sometimes that's what I would like to do because it just feels so much easier than rejoicing and celebrating and finding joy in the Lord. But this is what Paul says. He says, listen, you need to find joy in every season. You need to dig deep into that joy that's within you. Live that out. It's not like a one-time thing that you experience. 
It's not like, oh, there was this one really good day back in, you know, 1998, and I found joy, and then it never happens again. It's something that you're supposed to live in. Like, your, your glory days are supposed to be ongoing with Jesus. It's not supposed to be something you experience once in the good old days that you never find again. You have to relive that joy again and again and again. But some seasons are easier than others. Romans 5 Three to four says we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces, produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. It's Paul writing that again in Romans. We rejoice in our sufferings. James 1, 2 to 4, different authors says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, Paul gets the challenge. He gets the struggle. He understands what it means to try and, like, live this out. But for him, the idea of rejoicing and finding that joy in Christ wasn't just about going back to his salvation. For him, it wasn't just about going back to that moment where he encountered God on that road to Damascus, where God changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he experienced that transformation in his lives. And for us, that's not the only place that we have to pull joy from in our lives. It's just going back to our conversion moment or or the moment where we feel like God set us free for something or the moment that we found victory. Like we can relive that joy every single day when we step into being a part of the mission that Christ has in this world. Like what a joyful experience to see that like God wants to do something in this city and in this region and across this province and across the nation and to say, I get to be a part of that. What an exciting thing to be a part of what God wants to do. And even like Paul writes this, if we flip over a few pages earlier in Philippians chapter 1, this is what Paul writes. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. The message about Christ is being preached, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. His joy didn't just come from looking back and being like, right, okay, I have to keep remembering. God set me free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no, you know, like it's not just about going back to that. It's about realizing every single day, like, man, what a privilege that I get to move forward God's kingdom here on this earth. That he would choose to use me to be a part of his team and his army that advance a message of hope and peace and joy across the world. Like, what an honor and a privilege that we get to partner with that. Because what he did, like, Jesus came to restore everything that was broken by sin. Like, we're talking like the hierarchies that men and women created. Happy International Women's Day. Like, we're, we're, we're talking about the abuse that happened, like, originally between family members, and it's trickled down to all different areas of our society. Like, the illness and the, and, the, and the difficulty that people endured. Jesus came to redeem and restore it all, and when he went back to heaven, he said to us, he mandated the church, he said, continue now what I started. You've seen how I've done it. You've seen my example. Now I want you to go out, and I want you to be the ones that continue to reconcile. That's why I love that you celebrate International Women's Day here, because I believe as a church that that's our mandate, to continue what Jesus started and how he paid attention to women, and he called them out, and he called them up to leadership. We're supposed to see his example and duplicate that and live that out. 
in the way that we do everything. That's why we're supposed to care for those who've been abused and to not continue the cycle of abuse. It's why we're supposed to, you know, see how Jesus loved people who nobody else loved and live it out. And for us, what a joy and a privilege to be a part of bringing that into a world that needs it. Isn't that exciting? So I don't just have to feed off of like my salvation story 20 some years ago. I can feed off of the joy that I get to experience today because, man, God is using us right now to bring hope and life and freedom to a generation who needs it. See, the source of their joy is from participating in God's unfolding story of redeeming and restoring things back to him. That's how you'll experience a joy that lasts, being part of the bigger plan. In those moments you feel defeated, you have a choice. You have a choice In the moments that you feel defeated, when you're in those valley seasons where things are difficult, when you're in the prison, where you're feeling bullied, where you feel like life is just stacked up against you, in those seasons, we have a choice. We can either get mad at God and we can curse him or we can rejoice that even though things might be difficult, we still get a chance to be a part of a bigger purpose and a bigger plan. And so this morning, will you choose to curse God or will you choose to rejoice? To walk in victory, we need to unleash unexpected praise. The second thing, to walk in victory, we need to respond with uninterrupted gratitude. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And we like that part, right? It's like, okay, like I, I, I know that sometimes we worry about things and we have anxiety that creeps in. But God says, pray about everything. We can bring our requests to God. Like I, if things are going bad and, you know, somebody's really bothering me, I can just pray for them. Or if things are difficult in my life or I'm, I'm facing sickness or disease, I can just like pray for healing and believe for that and God will answer my prayers. But that's not where it ends. He says, pray in everything. But then he talks about thanking him for all that he's done. We're actually supposed to bring our prayers with thanksgiving. We're not supposed to bring our prayers just as a list of like, it's not like our Christmas list that we're writing out to Santa Claus of like, God, here's all the things that I need you to do for me. It's like, okay, God, here's where I find myself. I, I, I'm in the midst of it. I'm a little freaked out right now. I don't know what to do, but God, thank you. Thank you for what I know you can do. Thank you for who I know that you are. See, the people of Philippi were so fixated on their challenges that they had a hard time seeing the bigger picture. They were so fixated on their problems. This is what's going on. And sometimes that happens to us in our lives. Like we get so fixated on the problem in front of us and we, that's all that we can see. And so all of our prayer life, all of our conversations, everything we talk about are all focused on the difficulty or the obstacle that's in front of us because that's all that we see. And God really by telling us to approach our prayers with thanksgiving is saying like take a step back for a second. There is, this is something in your life to pray about. Yeah, pray about those things you want to see in answer to prayer but that's only one one small piece of the puzzle. When you take a step back now, I'm not just seeing black right here. I like take a step back and now I can see everything else around me. I can begin to see the places that God is actually meeting my needs. I can see all the places where I am experiencing victory. I can see all the things in my life that are going well, even though sometimes there are some obstacles that are still in front of me. Praying with thanksgiving shifts our perspective. 
It goes from just praying, God, I'm scared, I need you to help me, to God, I'm scared, thank you that you never leave me. God, I don't know what to do, thank you that you promised me your wisdom. God, I'm hurting, thank you that you're my comforter and you're near to the brokenhearted. God, I need healing, thanks for healing people I prayed for in the past, that's how I know that you can do it. When we come with an attitude of gratefulness and thanksgiving, it boosts our confidence in the amazing power of Jesus. We remember who he is and then his unexplainable peace comes in. To walk in victory, we need to unleash unexpected praise that nobody is expecting to come out of us. To walk in victory, we need to respond with uninterrupted gratitude to make sure that our prayers aren't narrow and that we're realizing that God is doing more than what we see sometimes. And to walk in victory, we need to adopt an unwavering mindset. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He tells them, listen, you're letting your minds go. And some of you know, like, if you are a worrier, or maybe you battle with anxiety, like, like, he's telling them, listen, calm your brains down, calm your minds down, because they're like, you know, well, what if this happens? Like, what if we can never get a job then, and people keep persecuting us because we're Christians, we can't ever get work, and, and then what if we can't feed our families, and then all of our families are going to die, and then all the Christians are going to die, and then we're extinct. Like, what happened? This, this is what's happening in their thought process. Paul, like, what, you're, you're in prison. Like, what happens? Like, what happens next? What if you never come back? Who's going to lead us? Who's, who's going to help us work through all of our problems when we're facing things? Paul, like, what if, what happens? What if you get sick like some of our friends who we've sent there to minister to you? Like, what happens next? And they start to worry and they start to think and they start to let their minds race. But Paul says to them, listen, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure. He says to them, like, keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Let the peace of God be with you. He's saying the things you have seen in me, practice these things, because Paul has been an example of rejoicing all throughout his Christian life. Maybe you remember the story of Paul and Silas when they get thrown in prison. So Paul and his friend Silas are doing a bunch of ministry. Somebody gets mad at them because they like cast a spirit out of someone and they wanted the spirit in there. It's like a long story. You can read all about it. Uh, but they, they get thrown in prison. And it says that they're in prison and by midnight, uh, at midnight, they begin to just, they're worshiping and they're rejoicing and they're praising God. And it says like the ground shakes and the prison doors open and all of a sudden like they're free to go and the jailer is like looking around. Do you know what city that happened in? Philippi. Like the letter that Paul is writing here is to the church in Philippi. So likely in that congregation where Paul is writing this letter to is the jailer and his family who got saved that night when those prison doors were open. And so they, like when Paul says, hey, you've seen me live this way, the jailer's probably thinking like, yeah, those tone deaf guys were making a racket at midnight that night. Like they were. Like they were in prison and it's cold and it's dark and it stinks in there and they were still just going, raising a hallelujah, doing their thing. He's like, but then I saw that transformation, the, the ground shook and the prison doors opened and he, I was terrified because I wanted to like kill myself because I knew if my prisoners got away that I was going to die anyway. And instead they told me, no, we're still here. And then they told me that I could know this Jesus who opened the doors for them. And that's why I'm in church today. And so Paul's writing this letter and he's reading it. And he's like, yeah, I've seen Paul act that way. 
I've seen him rejoice in tribulation. Guys, we can get through this. We've seen Paul do it. We can do this right now. We can get through this together. He's saying, whatever you've seen in me, practice these things. See, being a victor isn't just about experiencing breakthrough in your circumstances. When you offer unexpected praise, you're victorious over self-pity. When you have uninterrupted gratitude, you're victorious over anxiety and worry. When you have an unwavering mindset, you're victorious over negativity. It can have an impact in your life even if your circumstances don't change. A few years ago, I woke up one morning and my husband and I had planned to go kayaking that morning. We live on the West Coast and we have a lot of like beautiful places around us to just spend time outdoors. And we planned to go kayaking that morning and I woke up and you know how sometimes you just like slept funny and you wake up and your arm's asleep and you just need to like get it to wake up before you can get going. I woke up that morning and my arm had like fallen asleep. I was like, oh, I must have slept funny and I like tried to shake it out and the feeling just like wouldn't come back. And I was like, that's so strange. What's going on? Like it feels so weird. And over the next couple months, a, a few other strange things started to happen. I started to get these strange like leg spasms. And I got, like, when I would put my chin down to my chest, I'd get this, like, electric shock that would go, like, straight down my one leg. And I started to lose vision in my one eye. And I started to just feel like, I think something's seriously wrong with me. And so I went and I had some tests done. And I saw some doctors trying to figure out, like, what could be possibly going on? And I sat down a few months later with my doctor. And uh, they had called me in. She said she wanted to just go over some of the results of the tests that I had with me. And she sat down across me and she said, Kim, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this today, but like based on the information that we've got from your MRI and some of the other tests and stuff that you've had, we've ruled other things out. It looks like you have multiple sclerosis. And I was like, what? Like I felt like I was at like the prime of my life. Like I was on the mountaintop, right? Like things had been going so well. Life was good. And I knew that my body was kind of like, not working well, but I like, everything was good. Everything else in my life felt good. And all of a sudden I felt like I just like got hit with this like train. I was like, okay. I had like, I, I basically already diagnosed myself. Like Dr. Google helped me do that. Uh, so I wasn't like totally surprised. I wasn't completely shocked by the diagnosis. So she like said to me, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, no, I was kind of expecting that this could be it. And um, like, I think I'm okay. She's like, are you sure you're okay? This is really big news. And for those of you who don't know what multiple sclerosis is, is it's an incurable neurological disease. And what it does is it, you, you get scars on your brain and on your spine. And depending on when where those scars are, it can affect wherever that part of your brain functions. Like anything from the way your body moves and works to your speech to the way you think and the way you're able to connect thoughts. And uh, I just knew that it was a big deal because a lot of people, uh, for most people, the disease really progresses throughout their life and leads to disability. And I was like, man, <laughs> like here I am going from the mountaintop right to the valley in a matter of like five seconds. And I was like, okay, I think I'm okay. She's like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, I think I'm okay. And I like walked out and my husband had dropped me off and gone to get coffee because I don't know, we just didn't think we were getting news that bad that day. <laughs> and so he like dropped me off and I came outside the doctor's office and there was nobody there. Like he, had, he wasn't back from getting coffee yet. It just like happened so fast. And uh, I looked around and I just like felt so alone. I sat down on the curb in front of the doctor's office and I just started to sob. And I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> like what is my life gonna look like now? 
where am I supposed to go next? Like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to figure out how to move forward in this? My husband pulled up and I got in the car and he knew pretty quickly that things were not okay. <laughs> and uh, he's like, Abe, like, what's wrong? Like, what, what, are you okay? And I was like, do I look okay? <laughs> I was like, the doctor just told me I have MS. He's like, what? What? Are you sure? Like, yeah. That, I, I have MS. And we just like had a moment there where we were just like grieved in the moment. <laughs> Took a second to cry. And I said to him, Clark, I feel like I have a choice to make right now. I can curse God and I can get mad at him because I feel like this doesn't make sense and it feels so unfair. Or I can worship God because he deserves it and he hasn't changed. And I feel like right now is like a turning point in my life that I need to figure out what I'm going to choose. Am I going to get angry and bitter and frustrated and resentful? Or am I going to worship God because he deserves it, he's still good, he still loves me and he can get me through this. I said, I don't know what you're going to choose to do right now. You do you, bro, but I am going to choose to worship. <laughs> and so I pulled out my phone. I plugged it in, and I turned on the song, It Is Well by Bethel. It's like a new, newer version of an old hymn. And in that song, it says, it is well with my soul. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And I chose to just, like, make that my anthem and my declaration in a season where I felt so out of control and I felt so broken and I felt at times like I wasn't really sure what to do next. I just chose to make that my anthem and I literally like the whole ride home, I just, I like put on that song and I was like repeat one over and over and over again. Like honestly on iTunes, like I can't even tell you how many times I played that song, not just that day, but like weeks and even months after because in the moments that I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I feel just, like, overwhelmed with the weight of what's going on in my life. I needed to remind myself that God is still good, that he still got me, that I could keep my eyes on him through it. Because my human nature, that was not my tendency. My human nature's tendency was to go all dark and twisty. <laughs> but every time I would, like, refocus and re, like, put my focus on God... Every time I would do that, I was choosing to rejoice, to go back to joy, to find joy again. And so I, would, I remember times where I was just lying on the bed in my bedroom. I can remember it vividly with that song playing on repeat over and over. And I would sometimes spend just two, three hours just lying there, listening to the music, letting the words sink into my soul. I would listen to it sometimes because I didn't believe the words right away. And I was like, it isn't well. I don't even know what my life's going to look like. Am I going to be able to walk? Or what's our family going to look like? Am I going to be able to work? Am I going to be able to speak and preach? Like, I don't know. And I felt so overwhelmed and so devastated. And so I would just lie there and I would listen to it. And I would say, it is well. And I was like, I don't know if it's well. It is well. Through it all, my eyes are like on you. And slowly, slowly, my perspective began to shift. And I listened to those songs until I started to believe them. Remind myself of who God is. There were moments where fear and doubt and insecurity would creep in. And I would start to wonder, like, what is my life going to look like in 10 years? What's my life going to look like in 20 years? Am I going to be able to keep working where those thoughts and all those insecurities and all of those things that we talked about, things that are not good, things that are not pure, things that are not true, 
began to like flood my mind and I had to choose to shift my mindset. I had to choose to think about other things to not let myself go there and to remind myself that God is good. See, God doesn't promise us victory from our circumstances. If anything, if anything, the Bible promises us that we probably will go through hardship in our life. And sometimes I think we like to think that the Bible says things that it doesn't say because it makes us it makes it feel easier to get through life. And so we like convinced ourselves sometimes that God promises us freedom from the circumstances that we're in. But I don't know. I, I believe in you. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe in the miraculous. Like I believe in supernatural healing. I believe that God can step right now into your situation and make things right and fix everything. Like I believe that God can do that. But he doesn't promise us that he's gonna do that for all of us this side of heaven. In heaven, when we get to be with him someday and he like kicks the devil once and for all and like finishes everything, then we're gonna live in total wholeness. But this side of heaven on this earth, we might not experience that. God doesn't promise us freedom from our circumstances. He promises us victory over the consequences of sin and death. And in that, I can find joy and I can find freedom and I can find a new passion and a new purpose for my life. Yeah, but Kim, life's really hard. You don't know what I'm going through. Listen, I, I might not know what you're going through, but I do, I do get what it's like to walk through those valley seasons sometimes. And I know that I know that I know that the only thing that has gotten me through them is to shift my perspective and point it back on God. The reason why I sing is because when, when I'm just in my own head, I'm thinking about Kim. What does Kim need? What does Kim want? How does Kim feel today? What are my problems? Oh, who's offended me today? What has all I done? The moment I begin to worship and rejoice and sing, every song that we sing is not about Kim Aran and it's not about you. It's about Jesus. So the moment that we begin to rejoice and we begin to worship and we begin to, we begin to sing, we're focusing all of our energy and attention on him. So even some of you, they're like, I don't know, I'm not musical. Why do we sing songs in church? It's because you need to get your perspective off of you and onto Jesus. That's all. That's all. Like that's why we worship, that's why we rejoice because when we just think about ourselves, we become self-absorbed and we don't do anything for anyone. But when we focus on Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us, not only do we get to experience the joy that comes with that, we get to experience the joy that comes with partnering with him in that. That even if I have a frail body and even if life doesn't go the way that I want it to and even if there are some things that I would change if I could, I still get to partner with Jesus in the reconciliation of all things here on this earth. And what a privilege and an honor and a joy to be able to do that. Listen, for some of you, it's not your circumstances you're in bondage to, it's your attitude. And all you need to do is to shift that and to live a life of victory here this morning. To stand in victory, you need unexpected praise, uninterrupted gratitude, and unwavering mindset.